0: Be seated. As always, it is a, a pleasure to be able to open up God's Word to you this evening. Tonight, we will. Uh, our sermon text will be Colossians three verses one through four. And while you're turning there, uh, Colossians is just one of one of my favorite books. It, it has been for a long time. But what we really begin to see to help set the context is is Paul begins by uh, thanking uh, the Colossian believers and, and, and praying for them. And then he really starts to unfold this glorious doctrine of the preeminence of Christ. Um, that Christ is, is, is before all things and in all things and he holds all things together. He also uh, then moves on to uh, chapter 2 where he really starts to, to unfold this glorious redemption that we have in Christ. Um, and he also, at the end of chapter 2, warns the, the Colossians to let no one disqualify them, let no one uh, come against them, but rather that they should uh, seek Christ. And then I, I wanted to make mention, because uh, last, last Lord's Day, as I was uh, listening to Sam Priest, I was a little nervous when he chose chapter 3, because I had already planned to, to preach on chapter 3, but he did a great job helping us to set up the text as he, as he mentioned the fundamentals of, in everything, as chapter 3, 17, and also verse 24, in everything, um, we are to, to do all to the glory of the Lord. Well, if you found chapter 3, uh, we'll begin reading at verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things of the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. As for the reading of God's holy word, let us now pray. Our almighty God and gracious heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you and praise you just for a day we can come and, and worship together as your people uh, to not only commune with one another but to commune with you uh, through the word and through prayer through the singing of psalms and even at uh, this night through the sacrament uh, lord what a what a blessing it is to have you uphold us and, and to strengthen us and to care for us lord we ask tonight as as your word is open that you would give us ears and eyes to ears to hear and eyes to see that you would help us to to be attentive to your word and to grow in the love and knowledge of your son lord we ask all of this in the precious name of your son in jesus name amen well dear congregation you live out your pilgrimages on this earth with ups and downs peaks and valleys Solomon reminds us in the book of Ecclesiastes that in everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heavens. There will be seasons in our life of joy and sadness, times of pain and suffering, and times of comfort and blessedness. Uh, You will go through many trials and tribulations, yet there will also be times of peace and gospel advancement and spiritual abundance. Yet in all of these seasons there's a temptation to lose sight of what really matters. There's a temptation to focus only on the earthly and not on the heavenly. We we tend to set our minds to the here and now and to, to focus on the cares of this world rather than the glories, the, the glorious realities of heaven. As we heard this morning, it is usually against tough circumstances that we cry out why. Why are you allowing this, God? Why are you doing this? But we also heard that we are to to remedy this. We are to, to fill our hearts and our minds with love for Jesus. And to see that he is directing our lives. That God does have a plan in the midst of any season for us. That he's upholding us and comforting us. And that's exactly... Uh, what we see here as we come to our text, uh, Paul in, in chapter 2 is, is calling his people to be heavenly-minded, to be spiritually-minded, which is a pillar on the foundation of the Christian life. And this Christian life is a life wrapped up in Christ. It's a, a life that is, is kept in Christ. And, and before I move on to my points, I want to kind of describe what this, this phrase means, wrapped up in Christ, It really carries with it uh, two main descriptors. And the first of which is to be consumed with or to be caught up in. Uh, This is to have your focus and your attention set upon someone or something. Oftentimes we find ourselves getting wrapped up in work or wrapped up in a relationship. We can get wrapped up in our troubles or, or our goals um, not that these are bad in and of themselves, but we we get wrapped up in them. But it also has the meaning of being protected and, and comforted. It has the idea of protection. Uh, I want you to think of uh, a newborn baby being swaddled in, in blankets. Uh, the reason we do that, we want to protect that baby. We want, we want to keep that baby warm. You can also think that uh, on a cold day, you might pull your jacket tight to you and wrap yourself up in it, or a blanket. But it carries with us this this idea of being protected. So not only are we caught up in something by focusing our attention on it, we can be wrapped up in something by, by being protected. And, and we're going to see that idea in our points tonight and in this text. And, and that's really what I, what I want us to think of. Our lives as Christians united to Christ, we're wrapped up in him, or or we should be. We're to be wrapped up in in who Christ is. Our, Our attention and our focus should be directed solely upon him. And not only that, Christ wraps us up in his protection and wraps us up for our protection. He is our rock and our refuge. And so as, as we begin with this theme tonight, I want to I want to look up or I want to look at this theme in three points. Our lives wrapped up in Christ. I want to see it first in our ascent, second in our affections, and third in our appearing. Uh, the first of these our ascent. Look with me again at verses one through two. Paul says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. And then in verse 2, he says, set your minds on things that are above and not on things of this earth. He's, he's, Paul is calling us here to, to set our minds and to seek things that are above. Um, and I want you to think of this ascent as a drawing up of our heart, of our mind, and our soul. Um, and it's, it's important to note here that you see in verse 1 that it says, Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And I want to make a careful distinction here of, of Christ's ascension and what I mean by our ascent. Uh, in verse 1, we see that Christ is seated at the right hand of God. That is his ascension. Christ was taken up from earth to be seated with his Father. But the idea I am trying to capture here is us on earth having our minds ascended or drawn up to heaven. And I also want to point that in doing this, we need to be very, very careful uh, to, to hear this point. It's important for us to catch this because Paul is exhorting us to take our eyes off of earthly things and to look above where Christ is. Paul states to the believer that if you are risen with Christ, seek those things that are above. To set your mind on things above. This is taking your eyes off of everything that might divert or stand in your way of Christ. This is a a constant gazing upon. Uh, And I want to be clear here because this looking off isn't only on on bad things or evil things. It can be good things. Um, As we consider the good, let us think of Solomon in Ecclesiastes where he He tells us that all is vanity, vanity of vanities. And I want to be clear, this is not Solomon saying that everything is meaningless or useless. Rather, it's him saying uh, or using this phrase to depict transience, something that is fleeting or or, uh, momentary. And we need to see this because all of our life is truly a vapor. We get to experience many pleasures and many blessings in this life. And those are all good things, but we must be careful that in those good things, our eyes are not drawn to them and drawn off of Christ. We need to be careful that, that in all of those things, we, we see our purpose for which, which God has intended. Because when we get caught up in, in the good of this world and in the good of this life, and our eyes are diverted from Christ, we miss the purpose for which God has called us. This is also especially true of evil things. Sin so easily traps us and ensnares us. It it hinders our communion with God and disgraces our witness to the world. This is why Paul, or rather, should I say the author of Hebrews, in, in the book of Hebrews, tells us to lay aside every weight and every sin that besets or ensnares us. And then he, he, he exhorts us to look unto Christ, the author and finisher of our, finisher of our faith. So what he's, what he's calling us do, to do is to, to take our mind off of the things that are around us, to take our mind off of earthly things. He's calling us to ascend our thoughts and our affections to God. And we need to see this because as believers united to Christ, we are those whose roots are planted in the heavenly soil. And, it's, and, and though as we, we travel this world, we are heavenly minded. We are to be heavenly minded. We're to be drawn up. We're to be ascended to the glorious realities of heaven. We're to be ascended to the thoughts of Christ. We're to look unto him. And I know I've been brief in this, this first point, but I, I really wanted us to see this, this ascending. We need to, to look off and to look on. We need to, to look, stop looking around and look up. It's an ascending of our thoughts to God. And this brings me to my second point, our affections. As we move from considering our ascent to heavenly mindness, heavenly mindness to affections, we, we, we might ask the question, how do we do this? How do we go from looking off of things of this world and looking up to God? Well, it's in our affections. Look again with me at verse 1 and 2. Again, it says, if if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. And then in in verse 2, set your minds on things that are above, not on things of the earth. Paul tells us here that we are to seek and to set. And I want to Make mention here that the ESV translate this phrase very literally. It has the phrase, set our minds, and this is more more of a literal translation. However, I do love the King James here because it captures the full intention of meaning by translating it, set our affections on things above. And the reason for this is because our affections deal with both the heart and the mind. And as Pastor Joseph quoted from Luke 645. Uh, we're, this morning, where Jesus states that out of the abundance of our hearts, the mouth speaks. What, it, what, what is intended here is that when what we spend most of our time consuming fills and consumes our hearts and our minds. This is why we must be diligent to pursue these heavenly things, these heavenly realities, and we must beware of the pursuit of earthly things. This morning, I, I was talking to three uh, brothers and they gave me a perfect illustration for this. This, this past week, I, I had flooding in my basement, and we were talking about the, the remediation of this, this mold. Um, but as they were talking, they were talking about how, how water, when it goes into the drywall, it, that drywall wicks it up. It pulls up that water, um, and it, it really immerses itself with that water. And th- this is important for us to think when we, we think of our affections and our thoughts, um, because... What we take in, we, we seep up. The things that we spend time in, the, uh, the things that we consume or, or we watch or we read or, or the friends we hang around with, those things will, will soak up in us and they will direct our thoughts and our affections. And we must be very careful. So to go back to that mold example, if mold was to grow, it's going to consume and destroy. And in that, it can, it can really make, if you will, the heart sick, and when your heart is sick, you can affect those around you with that same pollution. So we must, we must learn to, to seek and to set. And I want to do this by first considering the means. Considering the means. How do we do this? How are we to, to seek and to set? Well, the idea of seeking has the idea of pursuit. Pursuit. It has diligently pursuing. I want you to think like a wolf pursuing its prey. That wolf is diligently seeking after its prey so that it might capture it and consume it. It's seeking it. And this is how we are to be in prayer. Daily, we should be seeking God. We should be asking him to help set our minds and direct our thoughts upward to him to focus upon the gospel, to understand and to take in what we read and to be edified and built up by it. We are to seek and pursue with great diligence. We also are to set our affections, and, and I love this idea of affections again because it, it deals with the heart and mind. I want you to think about, uh, especially husbands and wives, the first time you, you, you met your spouse you were consumed with them and it, it built up your affections your your thoughts for them it grew uh, it passed down into your heart and and your heart grew for your love for them you were in a sense consumed with building that relationship it was something that you were able to to take in and, and really move those affections toward that person and so the idea of setting our affections uh, it has that idea of, of just Focusing our attention on one thing and letting it affect our heart, kids, you can think about your favorite toy um, or your your favorite stuffed animal you you spend a lot of time with it, you think about it, uh, you cherish it, and you grow in your love. I, I can tell you that my boys anytime their their favorite stuffed animal is gone it 's the end of the world, but it 's because their affections for that toy have grown i 've heard a lot of the the younger kids uh, speak of the the goals that they have or the, the hobbies they enjoy. Um, and, and they do this by by thanking upon them, by by taking in and researching them and and really setting their hearts upon what they want to do or the goals that they have or the dreams that they have. And what it causes is those affections in their heart to grow for that thing. And so it is too for us, for Christ. We are to, to set our affections upon him. We are to, to read daily the word of God, but then meditate upon it. And I know we hear meditation a lot uh, as, an, as an idea to do, but we really need to consider taking the time each and every day to focus on Christ, to really preach the gospel to ourselves, to take in what we're reading, uh, to, to meditate upon on the glorious realities that we've seen in the text tonight or that we see in the book of Colossians, or as we heard this morning in the sermon. And this removes me, or this, this moves me to my, my second consideration under this point, the content. Right? If, if we're the means is, is diligently seeking through prayer and setting our affections by meditation, what are we to meditate? What are we to seek? What are we to fill our minds with? Well, Paul has already told us in this book. If we consider the prayer in chapter one, he prays that we would be filled with the knowledge of God's will. We should seek the, to have understanding and knowledge of what God has called us to and his purpose for our lives. We should seek wisdom and spiritual understanding. We should seek strength according to his glorious power. We should also meditate on what he talks about in, in, in chapter 2 of this glorious redemption. That, that we are truly, though we were dead in our, our trespasses and sins, we were raised with him from the dead. Right that, that the debt, the record of debt that stood against us has been nailed to the cross. We need to, to meditate and to seek out these glorious things that God has done for us. We need to focus on Christ and who he is. We need to, to see him as our prophet who has declared the word of God to us, has declared everything and given us understand, understanding into the things of God. We need to also see that he is our priest, and as I just mentioned, that he has truly atoned for our sins. He's justified us and made us right with God. These are things that we need to set our mind upon. These are things that we need to seek out daily, meditate upon. We also need to see that, he's, that he is our king. As we saw this morning, God is sovereign over all and he's directing all things in our life for his good. All things for his good. And it's easy for us, it's easy for us to forget this. We must be aware of these things that would try to creep into our lives and to divert us from this practice. We need to be careful of the cares of the world or when we do go through trials and tribulations and we need to be diligent in those times to to seek the lord to seek him in 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 the times of of, of tribulation in the times of persecution but as i mentioned earlier we need to also seek him in the times of good we need to realize that that all we are doing is to bring, all our purpose in this life and what we are doing in this life is to bring glory and honor to God. We are called to, to preach the gospels, to have Jesus on our lips. So we must beware of the things that would hinder us. We must be cautious against the things that would creep in and to seek and destroy our communion and hinder that relationship we have with God. And we need to be diligent, diligent daily to be in prayer and to be in the Word and to meditate on the Word. And and, and all of this, it, it seems hard, or it may seem, is it worth it? Is what, what, what Paul is calling me here to, now that he's exhorting my behavior in chapter 3, is it all worth it? Is it worth it to, to, to set my mind and to seek to ascend my thoughts and to set my mind and my affections on Christ. Is it worth it? Well, he answers that for us in, in the last verse in, in the last two verses three and four, which moves us to our appearing. Uh, look with me again at, at verses three and four. He says, For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you will also then you also will appear with him in glory. It says, for you have died. Now, Paul, again, directs us back to this position we have in Christ, this union we have with Christ's death and resurrection. He, he's directing us back that we see that we have a position and place in Christ. And this is where that idea of being wrapped up in Christ comes to protection because he says, if you are dead in Christ, if you have been united to Christ through his death and resurrection, your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now this idea of being hidden doesn't speak of a of a mystery or or something that that is not understood but rather protection. Paul is speaking here of assurance. Our life is hidden in Christ. We have nothing to fret in this world. When going back to the the trials and tribulations and things of this world that seek to come and distract us from that looking upon Jesus, we know that We have a position in Christ. We have protection in him. That we are wrapped up in him. And then he says, when Christ appears, when Christ appears, we will appear with him in glory. We will appear with him in glory. We have a hope that is eternal. As Christians, we go through this life being mocked by the world. Um, as Paul said in chapter two, there are those that seek to pass judgment upon us, uh, or question us, or disqualify us. We have a again, we have a hope eternal. We have this this hope that Christ is coming back, and that when He appears, we will appear with Him. It's a very important truth that we must hold on to and hold dear because a lot of things in life are going to seek to, to distract you and to divert you or to shake you. What Paul is telling us here, giving your life over to this pursuit of heavenly mindedness, giving your, your life over to being wrapped up in Christ is worth it because God has got you. Because God has got you. Well, in, in all of this, and in considering this text, again, we, we must focus our attention. We must be diligent in our pursuit. We must truly seek out the Lord, to seek daily to see what he has for us, where he's called us to, why he's allowed things in our life to happen. We are to be ones that that truly are able to to put away the distractions of this world, to put them away and to set our affections and to see our hope eternal in the Lord. A perfect picture of this I have found is in Paul Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. Many of you went through the study this uh, past few months. You've been going through the book and throughout this book, uh, uh, Bunyan really, he captures this idea. He, he captures this idea in Christian's journey from the city of destruction to Mount Zion. He, Christian is, is, is overtaken by this burden. And in the beginning of the book, he, he is struggling with this burden. And at a certain point he decides he must leave. He must pursue the heavenly city. He must get out of the city of destruction and pursue the things of the Lord. But a a phrase that that stands out to me in the beginning of this book is is as as Christian leaves the city, there are two individuals named Obstinate and Pliable, and they pursue Christian with, with the hopes of turning him back. Um, it, it actually uses the idea of strongly overcoming him. They wanted to take him back to the city of destruction, so they're seeking to persuade him. And after some failed reasoning on behalf of of pliable, we we see him turn back, but or on, on obstinate. I mean, we see pliable, we see obstinate turn back, and pliable uh, agree to go along this journey. And and the phrase that really uh, steps. Uh, the phrase that really speaks to me or, or, or sets itself out or sets itself apart is that pliable, ask Christian to tell him of the things that have caused him to want to take this journey. Um, and in Christian's response, he replies, I can better conceive of them in my mind than to speak of them with my tongue. But since you are desirous to know, I will read of them in my book. What Christian is doing here, this is a life that is wrapped up in Christ. This is a life who has, this is a man who is, who's, who's ascended. He's, he's really put himself to looking unto Jesus where he's seated at the right hand of the Father. This is a man who, who has his heart and his mind set upon the Lord. He is set out and diligent to make it to that city. And if you're familiar with the book, you will see him struggle throughout, but you will see this constant diligence on on behalf of Christian. And he's comforted by the fact that because God has said it and God has promised it, then it's true. And it's true. We also heard this morning of, of these believers in Antioch. They were forced out of Jerusalem because of persecution. But they did not go and hide. They did not go and forget what they have learned. Rather, they spoke of Christ. They were ones who again ascended their thoughts to where the Lord is. They they focused on and looked unto Christ. They were able to see him where he was seated at his throne. And they were setting their affections upon him, their hearts and their minds, again, like, like Christian, were upon the Lord. And they were also comforted by the fact that what God has promised is true. They were comforted by the word of God. They were diligent in seeking him. You can also think of Paul in the book of Philippians. Uh, Paul is in prison as he's writing to these believers, but Paul is content. I don't know about any of you, but I I don't know if I would be content if I was put in prison. If I would be content to be there or, or happy with my circumstances. But again, Paul was one who ascended his thoughts to looking off of this world and onto Christ. His affections again were set upon the Lord. His heart and his mind were filled with his glorious realities of not only who the Lord was, but what the Lord has done for him. This was Paul's heart. This was his mind. Paul was heavenly minded. He was spiritually minded. He had no cares nor concerns for this world, only that God would be glorified. And we know this because he said, yes, it would be better for me to depart and be with the Lord. Yet he knew he was called here to continue to preach the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. So in this conclusion, I I, I want us to see this. I want us to see that as as we are are putting on Christ, as we are being wrapped up in him, we too are also to to put off the cares of this world, to not let this world get us down, to not be consumed with the the evil of this world. We are to to put away sin. We are to put on righteousness. We are to, to... focus our hearts and our affections towards the Lord and to direct our minds and our thoughts to him and all things that we do in our works, in our homes in our friendships this this must be our goal of this ascending our knowledge and our pursuit to looking unto Jesus, to looking to him to setting our minds upon him to, to constantly gaze upon his glory And this will cause our affections to grow. And as our affections grow and our love for Christ grows, we will be a better witness to this world. Even if those come against us and will mock us, we will still be able to to witness to them even in our conformity to Christ. Looking like him, enduring the persecution. This all happens by setting our hearts to him and our affections upon him. And then third and finally, let the truth and the promises of God's word comfort you. Let the fact that you are dead and your life is hidden with God. Or again, as Paul said in verse 2, which is one of my favorite verses, the record of debt that stood against you has been nailed to the cross. Or that he has disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame. These promises that God has given you, let those be the protection and comfort that God gives you. To be able to make it through this world. To, to, to give you hope and, and courage and even strength to endure. Truly we are those who have been united to the lord we we are joined to his body and it is our duty not because this is what god requires of us but rather what he has done for us it is our duty to seek him in all things to set our mind upon him in all things to allow our hearts to grow in affection Just as we've done for so many other things, the most important thing is that our heart would grow and yearn and long for the Lord. We are truly those who are wrapped up in Christ, consumed in him, consumed with him, and wrapped up in protection in him. Let us pray. Our almighty God and gracious Father, Lord, I... I am so thankful, Lord, that you have called us to be your people. Lord, that you have truly promised us so many wonderful truths. <coughs> we have the redemption through your blood. That we are now found in you. Lord, and that you have given us your word that we can grow in our love and our knowledge for your son. That our minds truly could be fixed upon him so lord we ask that you would help us in our pursuit of being heavenly minded or spiritually minded or that you would give us strength and by your spirit you would enable us to 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 grow in our love for your son our love for you father our our love for for your your promises for your purposes love for your kingdom and a love for this world, a love for the lost. Lord, we are comforted by the fact that we truly are held in you, our rock and our refuge. Lord, we we love you and we thank you for what you have done. Uh, Lord, would you uh, bless the rest of our time, the rest of our singing. And would you uh, bless the sacrament as we commune together and with you. We pray this in Jesus' name.